Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, we're releasing a special edition episode all about the recent pause in distribution of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. As many of you may be aware, the U.S. stopped administering the J&J vaccine temporarily after the discovery of rare blood clots. The pause was initiated so that the FDA and the CDC could fully assess the reported cases and to make a determination on what the next steps should be. Here to talk to us about that and more is John Farragon. Welcome, John. Um, thanks, Marianne. I'm happy to be here today to this, uh, really to discuss this important topic. I think it's very important for people to be aware of uh, of kind of the ins and outs of this uh, of this pause and now the reactivation, I guess, of, of the J and J vaccine. So following a thorough safety review, including two meetings of the CDC's Advisory Committee on on Immunization Practices, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have determined that the recommended pause regarding the use of the Johnson & Johnson or Janssen COVID-19 vaccine in the U.S. should be lifted and the use of the vaccine should resume. John, can you tell us why the pause was initiated in the first place? Yeah, so this is um, this is obviously the, the most important piece of all this is why you know why did they put the put these uh, this vaccine on on pause um, to begin with? So these these are rare events, but there was a, there was a basically a report of six cases of a rare and severe type of blood clot um, uh, in individuals following the administration of the Janssen COVID nineteen vaccine. So Janssen is the J and J. Um, vaccine. During this pause, uh, medical and scientific teams, both both from the FDA and also the CDC, looked at the available data to kind of assess the risk of, of these blood clots, which is called thrombosis, um, involving the cerebral venous sinuses or CVST. Um, these are large blood vessels in the brain um, where, where there were blood clots that were found. And they also can potentially be found in other sites in the body too, including uh, blood vessels of the abdomen uh, and the veins of, of the legs, um, and normally this 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 whole this whole situation, this whole syndrome uh, shows up along with what we call thrombocytopenia, which is low blood platelet counts. So basically, the teams at the FDA and CDC, uh, you know, conducted extensive outreach to providers and clinicians to ensure that they were made aware of these rare events and to make sure they understood the appropriate treatment required for these blood clots and low platelets. So this is actually um, known as, as TTS, which is thrombosis, thrombocytopenia um, syndrome. So just a really kind of a sidebar, this is usually treated by, you know, most blood clots are usually treated by a drug called heparin. Um, but in this situation, because of the immune reaction that's happening, patients are allergic to heparin and, and heparin can actually make things worse. So that's one of the big concerns that they wanted to make sure that people were aware of these, um, of these events, because if they come into the ER and have one of these, uh, one of these, one of these, this TTS, you could potentially uh, treat it incorrectly. And I think that that was, that was a big concern as well, but I just want people to know that we, a lot of, a lot of this was found by some of this was actually found through the vaccine, um, the VAERS, which we'll talk about later, that system where you, you, um, you know, you can log your adverse events or, or speak to adverse events uh, in this system. And that's some of, some of how some of this was found. So what was the outcome of this pause? Um, so so as, as you know, the pause was, I think it was a couple of weeks by the time we were all done, uh, but really the two agencies have, have determined the following. And a lot of this information, Mariana, is directly from uh, either the FDA, EUA, 
for the J&J vaccine, for the Janssen vaccine, are also in the CDC. But really, the use of the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine um, should be resumed in the United States. So they determined that you, you, we can re resume using the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. Um, the FDA and the CDC um, have confidence that this vaccine is safe and effective in preventing COVID-19. And I think anybody who's a healthcare professional and realizes how you know, I don't want to minimize the risk, but the, the risk is very, very, very small. Um, uh, you know, I think most people would, would agree. Um, the FDA has determined that the available data show that the vaccine is known and its potential benefits really outweigh its known and potential risks, especially, obviously, in individuals 18 years of age and older. So, so at this time, the available data really suggests that the chance of this TTS occurring is very low, um, but the FDA and CDC is going to continue to remain vigilant and continue to investigate this risk to make sure that we're identifying additional cases if this continues to happen. Um, healthcare providers also uh, administering the vaccine should be aware that there was a new one. They did re um, update the, the vaccine fact sheet for healthcare providers and also for recipients and caregivers, and it has this warning about this TTS now in the in those fact sheets. All right, so they they have um um. You know, some of the numbers are actually actually in the EUA and in some of these fact sheets that you can actually actually look at. So I think the CDC uh, and the FDA and, you know, the immunization practices group, they, they really did, a, I think, a great job in taking the time to, to stop administering the vaccine, step back, see what's happening, make sure they're capturing all the cases and make sure they're analyzing all the data uh, in totality and to make a decision to, to kind of lift, the, lift this pause. So with everything that's happened, you know, I can understand how people now might be concerned that the J&J &J vaccine is unsafe. So how do we monitor for vaccine safety? Yes. So that's the big concern, right? That people will think that it's unsafe. So, we, so, but I guess the point with this is that really these, these vaccine monitoring systems and how we monitor for vaccine safety, it worked, right? So this, um, this VAERS, this Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, uh, is, a, is a reporting system for adverse events that are associated with any, with any of these uh, COVID-19 vaccines, including Moderna and also um, and also uh, the Pfizer. Uh, but in its review, they evaluated medical li literature and they also considered um, some of the information from the global regulatory partners about this thrombosis and thrombocytopenia, this TTS, that have been reported following the use of a similar yet not identical COVID-19 uh, vaccine that used a, a virus from the adenovirus family um, that was modified to contain that gene for making the protein for SARS-CoV-2. So another vaccine is very similar. And, and that's what they, that's some of the data that they also, also collected. Um, but what they found is that when you look at the J&J &J vaccine, out of, out of the more than uh, roughly seven, 6.8 million doses administered, there were six reports of a rare and severe blood uh, type of blood clot, again, combined with this low platelet levels um, that occurred in people after receiving the, the Janssen vaccine. And this, these had actually been reported to this VAERS system. Now, many of you may, many of you, um, may be aware, if you've gotten your vaccine, you might've actually gotten a little card or uh, a handout on VSAFE. VSAFE is the, you know, you, there's a QR code and you actually take a picture of it and it opens up this app and you actually go in and put your, put your information in. And then the VERS system will text you every once in a while to check in about any side effects you had. So that could be part of this, but also the VAERS system is also um, it's also looking at, you know, providers can put in adverse events as well. So when they're more serious like this and the patient may not may not put it in, there might be, might be a provider um, taking care of the patient who would put that in and say that this might be associated with that particular vaccine. So this VAERS system is really crucial, I think, in picking up early signals, potential 
potential adverse events that that the FDA and the CDC and the um, um, uh, the the uh, immune practices the immunization practices group might want to take a look at. All right, but um, really these uh, it, it, this this um, these cases the, this uh, CBST. Um, was seen in combination with low levels of, of platelets as well, which we, which we, which you mentioned, mentioned. So what they actually did when they went back and they looked at a further review, so they looked at a, a kind of a bigger picture, they actually confirmed a total of 15 cases of TTS, not just the six, right? Total of 15 cases of TTS had been reported to VAERS, uh, which included the original six reported cases. So the most important thing I think for, for, for patients uh, and even for providers, all of these cases occurred in women uh, between the ages of 18 and 59, and the median age was was 37 years. And most of those reports occurred, uh, the, the symptom onset, usually between six and 15 days after vaccination. So those are some of the key pieces of the of the story here, I think, when you're thinking about what patients were, were, were affected. All right, so I think that's that's kind of the, I think the crux of it. Again, think of this 18 to 59, median of 37 uh, years, and really the, that symptom onset was anywhere from six to 15 days um, after after vaccination. So it seems like the bottom line here is that, you know, there was this pause on the J&J vaccine out of an abundance of caution, but ultimately it's been deemed safe to continue administering. Is that yeah, right? Yes, so that's exactly what, what they what, what, what they found. So be, because these are so, so, so rare, these events are so rare, I think, um, I think having this pause, I think makes people uh, kind of have a heightened awareness of, of these of these potential adverse events, um, um, and I think that's a that's a big help, right? What the CDC and, and the FDA recommend again the use of J and J's uh, vaccine uh, in the United States, at, you know, after this temporary pause. I think the the reports of these adverse events really suggest a, a very low risk of uh, of this of this TTS. And again, all of these um, uh, while it's a, a serious serious condition, it all involved uh, patients who were who and women who were, who were younger. Than, than 50 than 50 years years old. So a review of all the data has been, you know, has really taken uh, a lot of time to look at. And you know, this the, the Janssen vaccine, you know, it, um, has been shown to be to be safe and effective. And, and we know about these potential potential risks. But really, I think the benefit of having people vaccinated for for the advantages of the J and J vaccine really outweigh the potential risks that 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 we're seeing here. So it really is a risk versus benefit. And again, you know, while the numbers are small, I mean, think about other adverse events and other medications that, that can occur um, much more frequently than this. And, and sometimes those meds are still on the market, right? So I think it's kind of a balance between knowing what the risks are and, and, and the potential benefits. I think there's a, clearly the benefit outweighs the risk, and that's what the CDC and, um, and the FDA, FDA determined. However, women younger than 50 years old really should be aware of this rare but increased risk of the adverse event. Um, and that there are other COVID-19 vaccines available as well, for which this risk has not been, been been seen, and I think the CDC and the FDA is going to continue to monitor the safety of all of all of these COVID nineteen vaccines, which is ongoing with that VA ERS um, ERS system. John, is there any additional data on this that you think would be helpful for providers to know? Yeah, so this last section, I think, um, I think Marianne, I think is important because it really looks at. Um, I, I think the the frequently asked questions section on the J and J vaccine on the CDC website. I think are really are, are really good. Um, it, it's it's helpful, and I, I'm just going to highlight some of them just so everybody knows. So this will kind of I think serve as kind of a summary, right? So there is this there is this uh, uh, plausible cas- uh, causal relationship between the J and J COVID nineteen vaccine and this rare 
uh, TTS or, or this thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome. All right, but um, after reviewing all the safety data, the CDC and the FDA has recommended um, that the benefits outweigh the risk for this vaccine. And in the, in the U.S., this this pause has been lifted, and the vaccine can continue to be to be administered. Um, this is a these are rare events. Again, uh, if you look at the rates per million, it's roughly about seven people for every 1 million people vaccinated. Um, and again, it's for women between the ages of 18 and 49, women 50 years of older, men of all ages, this adver adver adverse event is even more, more rare. All right. So uh, again, thinking about the, the age of, of the people and the women who were involved, who got this TTS. Um, so what they recommend now, this is, I think, the most important piece that everybody should kind of pay attention to is the, the for three weeks after receiving the vaccine, um, especially in women um, who are under 50, um, you really should be on the lookout for possible symptoms of a blood clot with low platelets. And these, these are, are a list, but it's not inclusive. There could be other things, but these are some of the major ones. Um, severe or persistent headaches or blurred vision, that would be potentially a sign that you may have um, you know, um, a, a CNS thrombosis, right? Shortness of breath, which potentially could be a pulmonary embolism. Um, chest pain or leg swelling. Leg swelling could be an indication that you have a, a DVT, so a thrombosis in your leg, persistent abdominal pain because there's big uh, the abdominal aorta is actually in, in your in your in your around your abdomen. So that could, that could be a spot where this potentially could occur, and then easy bruising or tiny bl uh, blood spots on the skin beyond the injection site. This might be a sign that you might have low platelets um, or thrombocytopenia, and you might have an increased risk of bruising. So these are, these are probably six things I think you might want to be aware of um, anywhere from roughly, you know, from the time you got the vaccine until about three weeks after. So especially women younger than 50 years old should be aware of this rare but increased risk of thrombosis with thrombocytopenia uh, syndrome. So I think we, I think we're aware of this, but I just want to make sure everybody's, everybody knows out, out to the like roughly the last couple of days um, through April 23rd, uh, more than 8 million doses of this J&J &J vaccine has been uh, given in the United States. And, and as of that time, um, this vaccine found 15 reports of, of women who got the J&J &J vaccine uh, and later developed this, this TTS. All right. So again, um, just to know how, um, uh, how rare this, uh, this, uh, this event um, uh, this, this event, this event is all right. So a total of 15 cases have been found, um, with, uh, with this, uh, um, of this TTS after, after, after vaccination. So again, it's very, it's very, it's not, it's not something that that's, that's common. All right. So I think that's the most important piece as well. So, um, again, uh, these women who got TTS were between 18 and 59 years old, uh, with a median of 37 years. Um, these reports, uh, really represent seven per, per 1 million vaccinations among women, women 18 to 49. And so a, a rate of 0 0.9 per 1 million vaccinations among women 50 years or older. So again, it's even lower if you look at people who are, um, who are over 50. So it's seven per million for 18 to 49, and it's just under one per million for, for women over 50. So again, very, very rare, one in, one in a million chance uh, for women 50 or older. So again, rare event, make sure we're aware of it. And I think we need to continue to, to monitor people who actually get this vaccine for, for about three weeks to make sure that they're aware of some of the potential side effects. Um, really, these uh, again, these event, adverse events started between six and 15 days after vaccination. I think the three weeks is just being a little conservative. Uh, but again, I think it's, it's important. As of April 23rd as well, um, TTS 
has not been linked to the Pfizer or the Moderna COVID vaccine, vaccines, as far as you know, so far, after more than 210 million doses of, of those vaccines have been administered. So again, much uh, not doesn't appear to be a problem with the Pfizer or the Moderna, at least from what we know so far. So here's, so here's the gist of it, right? So the J&J being used again, right? The pause has been listed. I think uh, knowing that the sooner we get as many people vaccinated, as, as many as possible, the faster we can get back to some level of normalcy, normalcy here in the U.S. Um, and across the world. This vaccine, that, uh, the VARERS, really shows us that the FDA and the CDC are taking safety really seriously. And remember, these aren't fully authorized by the FDA, right? So they're under these emergency use authorizations. So all the more reason for them to be more, more diligent or, or more um, uh uh, more likely to respond to potential adverse adverse events to make sure that we're we're making the right decisions for for patients who are receiving these vaccines. And again, I encourage everybody to please use that VAERS system once you get vaccinated. Encourage your your patients to to do the same. And I guess and in, 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 you know before we finish here, um, Marianne, I just would say clearly the last thing we need is people to to be vaccine hesitant, have vaccine hesitancy. And I think there is potentially some evidence of that. Some people aren't getting their second doses, and this has been reported in, in the in the literature or in the in the lay lay press as well. So please um, know that this um, that the, the the vaccine safety is, is taken seriously by the FDA and the CDC. And this pause, while it might it might um, concern people, I think having the data and knowing exactly who who was affected, uh, who who was affected by this TTS, and just knowing how rare these events are, I think. Uh, lead us to to make the the, the conclusion that really this is uh, a safe a uh, risk versus benefit and I and I think that the that the 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 risk of of having TTS is so small even in women um, you, you know your 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 benefit really does outweigh this risk to prevent people from from contracting COVID nineteen and potentially winding up in the ICU and, and dying from COVID so clearly this is uh this is uh, an, an important piece of of why of why this uh, why this was this pause was lifted by the CDC and the FDA. John, thank you so much for joining us today and explaining the ins and outs behind this J and J pause. I know that it can seem worrisome, but as you mentioned, the FDA and the CDC are concerned with safety first and foremost. And after reevaluating the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, they've given it the green light for distribution again. So, whatever vaccine you can get the soonest is the vaccine you should get. And the more folks get vaccinated, the closer we'll get to beating this pandemic. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika ATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.